you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. And welcome to the Lone Gummin Podcast. This is your boy Rob Clark. We are live at the conference in Alexandria, Virginia for the 50th anniversary of the Warren Report, a critical look. It's been an amazing weekend so far, mind-blowing weekend so far. I've met some very, very awesome people. In fact, just about everybody here has been dead cool to us. We are having such a great time. This has got to rank up there as one of the most meaningful, important moments of my life to date. Many, many thanks to Dr. Denton for allowing us to come up here and cover this conference for him. It's been a pleasure, and I still can't believe it. I'm asking Doug all weekend just to pinch me. <laughs> Anyway, I've got a special treat for you guys today, and it is the first of its kind here on the Lone Gummin Podcast. I have a guest. Can you believe it? And it's a big one. So don't say I don't go big, okay, for my guest, because I do. That's what we do around here. I'm going to bring an interview to you that I just did with Mr. Dennis David. He was a medical technician there at Bethesda Naval Hospital and received Kennedy's body in the metal metal shipping casket. And the story he has to tell is awesome. To get this man on tape, he's a very young 78 years old 
and uh, uh, just a great, great guy. I couldn't ask for anybody nicer. He was uh, very generous with his time with me today, uh, and I appreciate it. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Mr. Dennis David. I'm here with Dennis David, uh, who was president or present at Bethesda Naval Hospital the night that JFK's body was brought in. Now, I listened last night to Doug Horn's presentation. Right. You were there too. Yeah. And uh, he spoke of three casket entries actually into the autopsy room, but I mean, two dis different caskets arriving there. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, I, I, I was only at the, the arrival of one, and I subsequently found out that there was two more entries. The second and third entries were the same casket. Right, the bronze one. The bronze casket. Right. Yeah. The casket that I received, which contained the body of the president, was nothing but a plain shipping casket. Right. And that's, it's the same kind of a casket that we send back bodies from war zones like Vietnam or even probably uh, Desert Storm, probably used them. Uh, they're very simple, plain, nothing but sheet metal, a sheet metal box. It's like a big lunch box. Kind a of. big lunch box. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. you call that. Uh, they're nothing you is used to interrogate bodies with it. They're just, even civilians in the United States use them. Uh, for instance, somebody passed away in New York, they might use a shipping casket to send him to California or someplace else. Right. You know, because they wouldn't, you want to use a fancy, expensive casket with shipping. That's, so that's all it is. Probably something that could be used again. But it could be used again, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you took possession of that, did it come out of a hearse or a helicopter there? The body that I received uh, came in in a black hearse. Black hearse. A civilian vehicle. It was not a Navy vehicle. The driver and his assistant were, in my opinion, were, and my impression, because of their dress, their mannerisms, it, they weren't military. Right. Uh, there was when when the hearse arrived at the at the back jet at the jetty with by the back of the morgue, uh, there was six men, five or six men, in dark blue suits that got out and opened the back door of the hearse. Well, the jetty is roughly 36 to 40 inches from the ground. So the hearse, when it backed in, the men in the suits had to pull the casket and then lift it up about seven or eight inches, 10 inches, then slide it up onto the jetty. And then I had six men there, I did, all sailors, I had them pick up the body, carried in to the entry room, which 
probably 12, 13 feet, and then take it and turn left into the uh, ante room of the morgue or the room with the chill boxes in, if you will. Right. Yeah. Now, from were you present when they took the body out of that casket? No. No. I, my men set the casket down in the middle of the, on the, in the ante room. I sent them on their way to go told them to go back to, in some cases, to the barracks with my men. The, the three general students said to, told them to report back to their chief and whatever he wanted. Then I went uh, forward towards the Naval, the Naval Medical Center. I went forward back up towards the front. I stopped on the way. Uh, and checked on my men that I had posts at entrances, access that belonged to the Naval Medical School. And it was about 6.35 when I left the morgue area. Right. Uh, the casket and everything come in. So then at a, about uh, five minutes or ten minutes of seven, give or take, and I was on the second floor and walked over and looked out front of the Naval Medical Center out towards Wisconsin Avenue at the number of people. It was just totally amazing, the massive people that were out in front as well as Wisconsin Avenue was bumper to bumper, you know, curiosity seekers or Interested, I don't know what they were. While I was looking out, I saw gray ambulance, Navy ambulance, pull into the driveway, pull up to the front of the Naval Medical Center. I watched uh, Jacqueline Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy get out of the vehicle. I watched Admiral Galloway get out on the left side of the driver's side and and started up towards the uh, front entrance. I then walked back around and Bethesda, when you first come at the Naval Medical Center, when you come in, you're looking at about a two-story rotunda area. And so I walked back and was standing on the edge, looking down into the rotunda and watched Mrs. Kennedy and Bobby come in through the front door uh, one of them that I remember quite vividly was McNamara. And I remember because of the expression on his face, and he looked like he could bite na- real, uh, horseshoe nails in two without even <laughs> facing, you know. Yeah, tough man. <laughs> he had, that, he had yeah. that really tough expression. Uh, I watched him until they walked over, and they walked basically walked straight towards under me, I heard the elevator doors opening, and which I turned right around and looked, and the elevator watched the elevator go up to the 17th floor, which at that time was the VIP suite for at Bethesda. Uh, I then went on my way and did rounds. What I didn't know at the time, but learned later, some time later, that. Augustus 
uh, Gerald Custis, who was the x-ray tech, he was standing almost directly below me in, in the uh, first floor passageway, and I'm up on top, and we're both sitting there watching uh, the uh, entrance. <clears throat> the What's important about that was that Gerald was on his way to the third deck exit third floor x-ray rooms to develop x-rays of the body of the president who was in the morgue. Right. And everybody thought he was in the bronze coffin. And everybody thought he was in the bronze casket. Well, I found out later that bronze casket was in that Green Navy ambulance that I saw pull in. I didn't find that out or uh, discover that. Oh, you didn't see that come out of the ambulance? You didn't see uh, them take that out of that gray ambulance? No. Oh. No. When I, after Mrs. Kennedy and we got the gray ambulance then took off and went uh, to the right. And I, was, I found out later it went back around to the back of the morgue. But I didn't know, I, I didn't see a casket. I didn't know the casket was in there. I know some people uh, have claimed that there was a casket that came in through the front door. That's a bunch of crap. It didn't happen. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until the next day, uh, on Saturday, I guess around oh, about 5.30, I'm at home in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, watching the evening news, the afternoon evening news, and I see comes up, and I see the Air Force One out of Andrews offloading this big fancy casket and, who, and the speaker uh, saying the body of the president arriving, so forth, etc. And they put it in, watched it loaded into the gray ambulance. And I remember turning to my wife and said, I'll be damned. That's not the casket we got him in. So, and I do remember that that night later on there was, there was rumors about two caskets, three caskets arriving. It wasn't until some months later, if not years later, that after talking with people that have investigated or have been things that apparently what happened, I received the body in the, in the plane ship casket, according to Dr. Boswell, and uh, according to a submarine sergeant that was on duty that night. We received it at 6.35. Later reports were that he was actually, the body was received at 7.30, which was about, uh, or excuse me, was received at about uh, 6.55, which was about 30 minutes after. Well, I know for a fact that that was bogus. we, the body was already uh, confirmed that it was there. And the reason I'm convinced of that is that if, as was rumored, that the casket that I received had been that of a enlisted or of a military man, right. there would have been one military man escorting it, and that's all. There, would, there wouldn't have been five or six government agents all in dressed blue suits escort the body of 
nobody, if you will. Was there any military? You didn't think it, any of those guys were military, though? You didn't get that impression? The, the driver and the ambulance driver, no, they were not military. And I'm sure that in six minutes got out of If they were in the military, they weren't uniform. Right. But I, but, uh, I know that one of them got up there, flipped some uh, ID at me, uh, something about and claimed or claimed that he was so uh, secret service, which is probably true. Yeah. And no, I'm not. I'm just concerned with what I had to do or what to see to make sure it was done correctly. Right. And the secret service was responsible for, the, for that body, as far as I was concerned. And so we had the chain of custody there. Right. Uh. It wasn't, and I said, it wasn't until years later from other sources that I found out that apparently during, between 7 o'clock in the morning, between 7 p.m. and 8 o'clock p.m., that the body was put back into that casket and then take it back out to a gray ambulance, take it back up front, and then the the, uh, military honor guard that arrived on the uh, helicopter in the front of of the NNMC, as I watched that helo land and found out and saw the men get out that were the honor guard. So, and then they, in turn, got with the ambulance, went back and reintroduced the uh, bronze casket with the body. With the body. Okay. Twice, the bronze casket was entered. The only reason that it was brought back the first time was to put the body of the president in it. Then take it back. So that uh, the the honor guard then would have the official honor of following the casket, uh, following the body of the president to the morgue. I also learned, to my opinion and satisfaction, that the period between seven thirty-five. And a few minutes before 8 o'clock, or until that body was put back in the bronze casket sometime after after 7 o'clock, that that period of time, I believe, was utilized to alter the wounds to the president in order to make it appear as though all well, all the killing shots came from the rear. I agree. Most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because on Monday, after the autopsy, I saw a 16-millimeter film, which the federal government denies ever existed. I also saw about six black and whites I saw six photo, uh, color photos of the body of the president 
And I know that those photos did not match the photos later that was supposedly taken at the autopsy proceedings at the after the official autopsy began at 0800 or at uh, 2200 at 8 o'clock. Right. So that alteration had to be done sometime between oh, roughly uh, 7 o'clock and say 7.30 right. which has been ample time to done that. Uh, because the photos that were officially released after the, of the official autopsy began at 8 o'clock showed massive injuries to the head. I only saw the photos I saw showed a, a bullet wound at the hairline directly above the corner the right corner of the right eye and about a three uh, by four inch circular kind of uh, wound which was obviously to me uh, an exit wound roughly about the size of a small orange or a very large peach and that's all that's the photos I saw on Monday that had been that I believe were taken sometime between uh, seven o'clock and say seven thirty or whatever. After after afterwards, in the Warren Commission report came out, uh, other publications came, and I saw the photos where they had this huge massive injury that involved the temporal bone as well as the parietal and the occipital bones uh, that was I think that's where the alteration occurred. So what you saw basically matched what the Parkland doctors reported seeing. What I saw the first time. Right. On the the pre-autopsy photo. The the pre-autopsy. The pre-autopsy, yeah. What I saw then was that, as I said, about uh, an exit wound about the size of an orange that right. involved only the acceptable, the occipital, and a portion of the uh, perineal uh, board. Uh, yeah, like behind that, behind yeah, here, back there. here. Yeah, but the temporal bone, which is on the side of the head, was not involved. Right. This was located. The, the, the exit when I saw was down low enough to have exposed. The, uh, cerebral, cerebellum, uh, cerebral uh, part of the brain, not the not large globe of the head at the right. top of the head. Uh, the cerebral is what they call it. So, uh, it, and I, you know, I really didn't put all this together until uh, after '65 when the Warren Commission report came out. When I looked at that, I knew... You knew something was... I knew something was was not right. Yeah. The other thing that night, uh, I was making rounds and about uh, 2,300 hours, 11 o'clock evening, I was in the 
hallway, passageway, hallway outside the port with the administrative watch officer from the Naval Hospital saw me and asked to come up. He was with, with a guy in a civilian suit. I don't remember whether he told me who he was or whether he just said, this gentleman needs a document typed up. Do you know anybody can type and has a, and, and has a security clearance? And I told him, yes. I said, I'm a mad tech, medical administrative tech. I can type uh, and I am cleared through secret. So then the, the officer asked me, he said, uh, where could we do it? So I said, we can do it. The administrative officer, uh, Naval Medical School, up on the second deck. So we went all the way forward, up on the second floor, which is just right down from the rotunda. And I typed up a memorandum to whom it may concern at the dictate of the gentleman who was in the suit. While I was typing what he was dictating, he placed a pill vial on the desk uh, beside the typewriter. And I completed, typed up the uh, memo, typed the signature in, made sure. I took it out and handed it to him. He began to proofread. While he was doing that, I picked up this pill vial and looked at it and the uh, agent said, go ahead, look at them. So I uncapped them, poured them out in my hand. Wow. There were four pieces of lead, and they'd been described uh, at so many mil uh, millimeters by so many millimeters by so many millimeters, like three by four by one, or three and a half by four and a half by one and a half. Oh, and there were four pieces. These were pieces of lead from a bullet, I had no quite, no doubt in my mind that that was a bullet. Were they just gray or were they it, copper? They were gray metal. There was no copper gray, involved. Okay. I never saw any copper. Okay. Uh, there was too much mass from these four. There was too much mass to have been uh, one bullet. Maybe not enough for two bullets. Right. But it definitely was too much wow. to have been just one bullet. I do remember that the uh, memorandum stated that these uh, these pieces of metal were removed from the head of the president at during postmortem procedures of this date, which was twenty second or the twenty yeah twenty second of November. And was this before the official autopsy was supposed to have started? Or, no, this was about 11 o'clock okay, that evening. Okay, I got you. This was after the autopsy. Okay. Both the official and the unofficial autopsy, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. And then uh, about 4 o'clock the next that morning, Saturday morning, I was in uh, the snack bar, and there were several sailors in there listed men and I went up to get a cup of coffee because I was getting pretty well beat about this time of the night yeah. and even then there were talk there was talking about hey there was two different caskets or three different caskets or uh, uh, 
there was a, they're saying that they were afraid somebody was going to try to kidnap the body. That's why there was different caskets. It was a decoy got used to do it. And I remember one of them says, well, I heard that the president's brain was brought in and came in through the uh, emergency room at the Naval Hospital that they put it in an emesis basin and took it down to the morgue. None of this is true, and I'm, I'm sure, but it was I'm just what kind of rumors that were running fast and yeah. furious at that time. Yeah. Well, like Horn said last night about the uh, there's being an intact brain yeah. at the National Archives, which can't be the right brain. Right. So who knows? Well, I found that out, of course, later on too. Yeah, that the brain that supposedly was like 1500. Uh, grams, which is unusually large. The average yeah, human average. brain is about 1,300 grams. Right. He was supposed to have miss, been missing some. And it was, yeah. Yeah. To have been missing. Uh, I've had people ask me, why the concern about the brain? And there's a good reason. Brain, unlike normal tissue, skin, muscle, a bullet passing it leaves a very distinct uh, trail right. that you can, that if, you, if you are a trained forensic pathologist and you are dissecting a brain that had been penetrated or penetrated or went through to by a bullet, you can determine which direction that bullet was going. If it went from, you know, it has, that's the one unique thing. That's why it was important for them to know about the brain tissue. For, from what Jim Jenkins, who was assistant, uh, Dr. Boswell and Humes, and Paul O'Connor, who was assistant Boswell and from what I've known and talked with them over the years, they probably couldn't have proved it because there wasn't enough brain left to make a decision. So they had to modify or come up with some way. And I think that's what this artificial brain is. I'm speculating strictly. I have no proof. Oh. You know, all I can tell you is that I typed up that I do know that the mental fragments were taken out of his head according to what the agent told me. And that the body arrived in a body bag in a shipping casket 20 minutes before the official, the casket that it was supposed to be in, arrived in front of the Naval Hospital, uh, Naval Medical Center. Now, did you, did you ever hear that the, if the body came out of the body bag bloody? Because they supposedly had cleaned him off at Parkland before they... They did, yeah, they cleaned him up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm he, talk, they're still going to bleed out. Oh, yeah, still going to be yeah. some bleeding out. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to, and I, me, I can't remember his name, but the, mort the mortician's assistant who was at Parkland. I've Robinson? talked with him. 
Was it Tom Robinson? No, not no. Tom Robinson. Robinson. Oh, at Parkland. Parkland. At Parkland. Gotcha. This one. Uh, in Rose's. Uh, Earl, Earl Rose, uh, his assistant. I, I don't remember his yeah. name. Uh, I have talked with him, and really? he told me that the body of the president was that big fancy bronze casket. Yeah. That the body's president was placed on top of a plastic sheet covered with a sheet and a, a towel around his head. Right. Uh, when that when he when the president arrived at Bethesda and again I have never seen the body. I've never saw the body. But from Paul Connor Reby, who was the uh, photography tech, Gustus, who was the x-ray tech, and Jim Jenkins were all in the autopsy room with the shipping casket was open. They all have stated that, yes, the body was in a body bag uh, and the bloody towel was still wrapped around his head. Probably the same one came from uh, Dallas. Yeah, I heard when they brought the casket to Parkland, you know, put them in, they had a body bag in the casket, as well as, I think it was some kind of oxygen tanks that they had brought with And, of course, the oxygen tanks were missing. Uh, so, yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He could have been in a body bag when he did leave. And you told me something I never heard. I didn't, I've never heard that there was a body bag in the casket. Yeah, well, a, a friend of mine had a theory about the body theft from Parkland that, the, mm-hmm. that uh, Nancy Powell, who was one of Jack Ruby's dancers, mm-hmm. happened, was at Parkland right after the assassination and witnessed a black hearse around the side of the building. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was supposedly left in the white hearse, you know, in the bronze casket. Yeah. And so that he was theorizing that maybe JFK's body was taken back out in the body bag only to his black hearse and that the bronze casket was always empty. And that's why they were fighting so hard to get it out of the hospital because right. if they would have opened it up, he was already gone and loaded on the plane, ready to go. That's You may well be right. And the only thing in that casket might have been oxygen tanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you, 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 your friend could well be right. Uh, I know, or at least I'm convinced in my mind, that what I've seen over the last 50 years, that there was a cover-up, that this assassination was not done by some foreign power. This was a coup d'etat. Or a lone nut. And the gentleman that was sworn in on Air, on Air Force One was responsible the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And there's nothing that his defenders can say or do that'll change my opinion. I don't think he has many defenders. <laughs> he was a true bastard in every sense of the word. He was, he was a slob. He really was. Yeah. He, he, he was vicious, addicted, and uh, you know, some of the stories uh, you've heard about him, I'm sure yeah. you've heard them. Yeah. And 
uh, all his defenders, uh, including Jack Belletti and all that, they could kiss my backside because they were, you know, they helped the killer stay in the White House. Right. I think that I really do. <laughs> well, Dennis David, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for your time. My, it's my it's pleasure. Been a really honestly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I hope that I live long enough for the general public to be made aware of everything that actually happened and for uh, positive proof be made available so that they don't have to say the question. Right. You know. Hopefully it's coming. It's coming. I hope so. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Wow. Strong words from a strong man still going strong 50 years later, almost 51 years later now. When he received President Kennedy's body in a metal shipping casket at the rear of the Bethesda Naval Hospital. Amazing. And this guy is so sharp. He's, his memory is impeccable. Nice as can be. And uh, I appreciate his time and Hopefully his words have resonated with you. Think about what he's telling you. Okay, it's evidence of a conspiracy. And one that he realized pretty quickly that the stories weren't jiving. And the Warren Commission was not being honest. And if they're not being honest, then they have something to hide. And that's why we're here this weekend, to point out the brutal, brutal fashion that the Warren Commission crafted this gigantic tome of lies and cover-up and obfuscation. But you know what? (laughs) It's all going to come crumbling down before it's all said and done. And I hope Dennis David is here to see it. And I truly, truly thank him for his time. Uh, So far, it's been just an amazing weekend. I mean, my mind is blown. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's, I'm living the dream here. This is like a dream. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, you know, you walk into the bar and... You know, me and Doug are closing the bar down with Ed Tatro, just talking for hours. You know, you go to the bathroom, you're standing next to, you know, Doug Horn. Hey, and true story, me and Doug were chilling with Doug Horn last night, smoking real live Cuban cigars with our new buddies, Arnie and Greg, uh, just, just some, just some, uh, some fans and they actually listened to our show which amazed the hell out of us and uh you know they're just dead cool guys they're 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 actually bouncing back and forth between conferences and uh yeah it's it's a bit amazing i mean we're up there with greg burnham 
uh, Doug Horn, you know, these, these two other guys, Arnie and Greg, and, you know, we, we get invited up to watch a 6K scan of the Zapruder film, which is just mind-blowing. And when this thing comes out, it is going to flip the entire community on its head. I truly, truly believe that. Sydney and Tom are doing it all on their own, and uh, they still have a ways to go before everything's done. I can't really talk a lot about it. Um, sworn to secrecy, and I will abide. Um, just amazing work they're doing. And, and when it's brought out, <laughs> it is going to flip the community on its head. It's, it's just amazing stuff. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in to listen. Thank you, everyone, for checking out the 22 November web uh, website today. This Actually, this whole weekend. Follow our Twitter, uh, at 22 November Network. Take the, e and the o R to, take the E and the O out of network. But you can find all the links right here on the Spreaker page under the info button for our email, for our Facebook page, for our Twitter. It's one click away. You should be following it. Follow along, and because we've we've been tweeting all day, uh, doing Facebook posts, uh, we've been interviewing people here, and it's just been an amazing weekend so far. And it's not over yet. Tonight, we have dinner with Cyril Wecht, and uh, a lot of hangout time with other guys. So hopefully, we're going to catch some more interviews. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed my first guest, Dennis David, on the Lone Gunman Podcast with your boy Rob Clark. This one is in the can, up to the satellite, down to your ears. Peace.
Sounds close. I don't know. Uh, so you just picked two names out of the air. Right. And why did you do that? Well, I don't know what he's up to. He's picking me like chicken, shucking me like corn, storing me like an oyster. I mean, he ain't putting nothing down but ass. save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.